Here we go. We're talking about email Friday, but we're not really looking at emails these last Fridays in 2022. What we're doing is repeating what we have said in the Wednesday Vespers Advent service. We had a theme about rescue. God rescues us. And so there's four Wednesdays that we're going to be preaching these sermons. The first sermon was Rescue by Incarnation. The second one is Rescue by Crucifixion. The third is Rescue by Resurrection. And the fourth is going to be Rescue by Ascension. Now, the Incarnation we talked about last week but just to kind of review it in case you hadn't heard, is if you ask most people, when does the incarnation take place? I'm sure a lot of people would say on Christmas Day. That sounds like the day of his incarnation. But that's not correct. On Christmas Day, Jesus was not incarnated. He was born as a human being. His incarnation had taken place nine months earlier when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said she would be with child of the Holy Spirit and he would be called the Son of God. Now, he used the future when he was talking to Mary, you will conceive. But then, boy, very quickly, Mary went to see Elizabeth, and at that point, she had conceived by the Holy Spirit because John the baptizer, who was in the womb of Elizabeth, six months old, leaped for joy when Jesus, who was only a speck in the womb of Mary, entered into the home of Elizabeth. And We know that John the baptizer leaped for joy out of faith because the angel Gabriel had told his father that before he was born, he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was that Holy Spirit that created joy. So why was it important that Jesus was incarnated? We're trying to look at the theological reasons behind these items. And that is because Jesus had to die. Yes, I put a sign up a lot of times at Christmas outside our church. He was born to die. The wise men knew that. They brought embalming fluid. And that must have surprised Mary. Why are you giving me such fluid? But the fact of the matter is, is that if Jesus did not die, then our sins would not be forgiven. He had to be a human being because only a human being can die for a human being. None of us can die for another human being because our sins are so great that death is the result of our sin. And therefore, it took a sinless human being And that's what Jesus was 
when he was incarnated by the Holy Spirit, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. So that's the theological point of incarnation. He became a human being for the purpose of dying for our sins. Even, well, Simeon in the temple knew that, said that the heart of Mary would be broken and was realizing that Jesus would be put to death. I mean, that's all through the Old Testament. Psalm 22 even explains how he's going to die, pierced in hands and feet. And Isaiah 53 also has a lot of information about Christ's death. So that was the first Wednesday in Advent. Now we're moving to the second Wednesday, which we preached a couple of days ago, Rescue by Crucifixion. Now, what's the theological meaning for crucifixion? The fact of the matter is, is that most people would say, well, the crucifixion theologically means that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. Now, I'm not going to disagree with that, but that needs to be explained further because there's a theological reason why that happened that isn't heard just by the fact that he was crucified. Many people in Jesus' day were crucified. Then why is Jesus' crucifixion theologically so important? One might look at the various words from the cross. Uh, For example, we have seven words or sentences that Jesus said from the cross. All seven are not in any one gospel. You have to read all the gospels to get all seven words. But what are the important ones that really show the significance and the theological reason for the crucifixion? Remember, one of the words is, John, take Mary as your mother. Mary, take John as your son. That was one word. Another word was to the thief. Today you will be with me in paradise. But that was speaking to the thief. How does that help us understand the crucifixion of Jesus theologically for us? Well, there is one word that Jesus does say, and it is found in Mark uh, chapter 15, and it's verse 34. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, this is something Jesus said in the Aramaic, and it was so important that Mark wrote down the Aramaic. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Why did he do that? Because in verse 35, some of the bystanders nearing it said, 
behold, he is calling Elijah. Now, Eloi, Eloi is somewhat close to the word Elijah. At least the consonants are similar. But some people may have thought he was calling on Elijah. Others say, no, they understood he was saying, my God, my God. But they were expecting Elijah to come because he was prophesied in the Old Testament. But whatever the reason, he does say, Eloi, which is my God, and then why have you forsaken me? Now, that is the theological reason for the crucifixion. God forsook God. And we're talking about God the Father forsaking Jesus. That's very clear from even the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus was sweating as of drops of blood. His concern was not just the pain of the crucifixion, which many individuals endured, but he was going to endure a separation from the Father. Now, one needs to look a little closer at what these words mean. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice. I would say most Christians would say he cried in grief or he cried in sorrow. But it just so happens there are two Greek words for crying out. The one does mean a shriek or a cry of pain or suffering. But that's not the word that is used by Mark. It instead is a shout or call in voicing something to be celebrated. It is not a cry of despair or hopelessness. That same word is used in Isaiah 58, verse 9. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry. That's the same word. And he will say, here I am. That Jesus is calling on God is clear from the Aramaic Eloi, Eloi which is, my God, my God. Jesus is speaking to God the Father. In fact, most of us realize that is a quotation from the Old Testament, Psalm 22. It also begins, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Now, what's being talked about here? How many times do we Christians, even as Christians, sometimes think that God has left us? We pray for something specific. Maybe a loved one is sick or had an accident and we pray that the loved one 
will not die. But the loved one dies. And we wonder, why has God done this? Why? We cry to him day by day and by night, and he is silent. That's what Psalm 22 starts with. But then listen to verse 3. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you, our fathers put their trust. They trusted you, and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not disappointed. So a more accurate translation actually than forsaken is that Jesus is asking the question, my God, for what reason have you abandoned me? In fact, there is a translation of the Old Testament Hebrew into the Latin. We call it the Vulgate. And there's quite a story around how that was translated. But that's what it says. It says, my God, pay attention toward me. For what reason have you abandoned me? How is that the theological reason for the crucifixion? Because God did something to Jesus at the crucifixion that he will never do to you as a believer. He abandoned his son. Why? Did he always abandon his son? No. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus was sweating as of drops of blood, what was he sweating over? Not the pain of the crucifixion, but the fact that he would be abandoned by the Father. He was not abandoned in the Garden of Gethsemane because God the Father sent him an angel to comfort him. But on the cross, no angel was sent. I remember one of the greatest sermons I ever heard was by, outside of the Bible, was, out, was by Dr. Martin Charlemagne, a professor I had at the seminary. He gave this sermon after 10 weeks of instruction on the words of passion of Jesus Christ on the cross. And I remember fairly clearly what he said, because at his funeral, I had gone and the whole course was taped. And so I transcribed what he said in the tape about this incident of crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Dr. Charlemagne said, Jesus had indicated, I thirst. And God the Father stopped all the waters of the earth from rushing to Jesus to give him a drink. He also told 
all the angels that were not to be with Jesus to stand at attention and cover their faces. Jesus was all alone on the cross. That is what is meant by being forsaken or more accurately, by being abandoned. Why was Jesus alone on the cross apart from the Father and the Holy Spirit? Because Jesus was Israel personified. What does that mean? Well, remember Israel? They were complaining to God about being in slavery in Egypt. So what God did is he allowed them to leave Egypt. He freed them until they got to the Red Sea. And then the Egyptians were behind them. The Red Sea was in front of them and they complained to God, why did you bring us out to be killed by the Red Sea? But God opened up the Red Sea and allowed them to travel through. They were very joyous. But when they finished getting through the Red Sea, God had removed the cloud that separated them from the Egyptians, and the Egyptian army started chasing them through the dry ground of the Red Sea. And then they started complaining to God again. But God then brought down the waters of the Red Sea. Now, you would think that Israel would never complain to God again. But they got complaints to God because they were short on water. Then God gave them water from a rock. Then they complained because they were short on bread. God sent them manna from heaven. And by the way, that manna continued to fall from heaven Sunday through Friday until they entered the land of Canaan when it stopped because there was plenty of food in Cana. Therefore, he supplied them even though they were complaining. Then they were complaining about not having meat. So God brought birds to be killed and they could eat many, many birds. So God did take care of Israel 40 years in the wilderness. Jesus is the new Israel. He spends, first of all, at the Jordan River being baptized by a baptism of repentance. Now, why is that important? Because at his baptism of repentance, he was declared to be a sinner. What? Whoever would think that? Well, it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It begins with verse 19. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So, that's what forgiveness means. You are not held accountable for your sins and receive the message of reconciliation that occurs in the forgiveness of sins. 
Therefore, the church, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, that is the very opposite of every other religion in the world. Every other religion in the world, they think they want to be reconciled to God. And the problem is God. He won't be reconciled to them. So they try to reconcile God to themselves by what they consider to be good works. They're still living under the law, thinking that by their works, they can save themselves. No, the Bible is very clear. Because of the death of Jesus Christ, God the Father is already reconciled to the world. How did that happen? It's verse 21. For our sake, God the Father made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the purpose of the crucifixion, that Jesus would be declared a sinner to the point that when he died, he would be paying for the sins of the whole world. That's clearly taught in the Old Testament scriptures. In Isaiah 53, it talks about Jesus. He says, Isaiah does, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised. He was rejected by men. He was a man of sorrow, familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. See, people in Jesus' day hid their faces from lepers. They didn't want to catch the disease, and they felt that a person was a leper as a punishment from God. In the same way, they felt that it was a punishment that a person was blind or lame or mute and so forth. No, these were not punishments, as John chapter 9 shows us with a man who was born blind. So what does Isaiah say about Jesus and the crucifixion? Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. That's what the Pharisees believed, that Jesus was being punished by God when he was on the cross. No. Verse 5 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. 
Now, in case you haven't yet understood that it was the father who was punishing his own son, listen to verse 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. That means we're sinners. But the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. That's the answer to Jesus' question. For what reason have you abandoned me? Because God the Father has laid on Jesus the iniquity, that is, the sins of all of us. What theological reason do we therefore have for the crucifixion? The theological reason is that our sins were on the cross, and we join with Jesus on the cross, according to Romans chapter 6, by being baptized. We're crucified with him, we're buried with him, but we're also risen from the dead. It's the crucifixion through which God now can look at you and no longer hold you accountable for your sins because there was a human being who was sinless who paid for your sins, pierced for your transgressions, crushed for your iniquities, and therefore it was the Lord that laid on him the iniquity of us all. So now we have theological reasons for the incarnation and the crucifixion. The incarnation theological reason is that Jesus was born, he was made a human being for the purpose of dying. And the crucifixion is how he died by being forsaken by the Father, by being abandoned by the Father. Jesus was alone on the cross. He had no help. He died for you. Which means that in your life today, God will never abandon believers in Jesus Christ. That's the wonderful comfort we have. And we'll continue with the comfort of law and gospel when we continue Monday with another reading. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.